Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let's get into today's teaching. We're going to open up in prayer, and then we're going to dive right on into the Word of God. Father God, we come now, give you glory, give you honor, give you praise, thanking you, O oh God, for uh, this day that you have made, O oh God, another opportunity, O oh God, to open up the bread of life, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for each and everyone listening to the sound of my voice. Thank you, O oh God, for their very lives, that you had the very hair in their head numbered, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for the Word that shall go forth on this night, O oh God, that shall go forth with power. It should go forth with authority, O oh God, and we know that your word will always accomplish what you've set it out to accomplish in the earth, O oh God. We come up against any distractions that may try to hinder us from receiving this word, any distractions that will try to pull us away, O oh God, from moving forward in the things of you, O oh God. So we thank you in advance for all that's going to be said and done on this night at this hour, O oh God. We give your name all glory, all honor, and all praise. Be and all blessed. We ask your son, Jesus, and we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Okay, so a, uh, a quick recap of uh, last week's Bible study. Again, we're still on the same series uh, entitled Spiritual Warfare Training. And last week, uh, we discussed uh, the warfare of praise and worship, the warfare of praise and worship. Uh, so we talked about how, of course, praising and worshiping God is not just showing honor to God, but it's also an act of spiritual warfare against the enemy, and that we shake up demonic foundations when we praise and worship God. Uh, and I talked about how when it comes down to uh, spiritual warfare, there's certain weapons that, that we have. I mean, we know we have many weapons, but we talked about specifically about the warfare weapons pertaining to praise and worship. Uh, we talked about, number one, uh, the warfare weapon of hands. We talked the warfare, about the warfare weapon of feet. And number three was the warfare weapon of our voice. So when it came to hands, we talked about how you know, when you strike in your hands together, you clap your hands. Uh, when you engage in amen, spiritual warfare, you're encouraging angels to make use of the sword. And that clapping your hands during spiritual warfare uh, is symbolic of God bringing judgment upon the enemy. Okay? And, that when, uh, and when the enemy attacks and you clap your hands, you're literally counteracting them in the spirit. And each clap strikes the enemy when it comes to spiritual warfare. And we went through a number of scriptures showing that, how, uh, again, the power of clapping your hands, what it actually means in the spirit realm. Uh, and we also talked about, you know, what your feet, the power of your feet, um, that stomping your feet in prayer with, prayer with anger against the enemy shakes and crushes the demonic foundations around you. We talked about how there was a, the, the passage uh, in Ephesians 6 to talk about uh, the full armor of God and how the, the Roman soldiers had spikes on the bottom of their feet. And so, so the imagery that was being presented is that from a spiritual aspect, it's like we have uh, spikes or, or, uh, or nails on the bottom of our feet that literally crushes uh, the head of the enemy. And, of course, we talked about the power of your voice, that no voice pattern is exactly alike, and that your voice, when you use your voice in spiritual warfare, I can literally break down walls that the enemy has set up. Um, so we, we went throughout about the importance of voice and how spiritual warfare is not quiet, etc. So that's just a brief recap. So you missed that. You can go and check that out from last week. Uh, this week, again, we're still continuing on spiritual warfare training this week. We're on part 12, and the topic is blood power, blood power. Okay, so spiritual warfare training, part 12, blood power. So first thing we have to understand is that the blood of Jesus is so powerful uh, because it covers us in warfare. It cleanses, cleanses us of sin and presents us spotless before God, okay? It presents us spotless before God. Uh, it serves so many functions. So the shedding of blood has always played a role since the beginning of mankind. So we talk about the blood, we proclaim the blood, we sing about the blood, but we need to really understand the power of the blood of Jesus, okay? Um, so understand, godly covenant requires blood. Godly covenant requires blood. The old covenant God made with it uh, was a covenant he made with Abraham, and it required the blood of animals when the covenant was made. And all of the descendants of Abraham in the Old Testament had the opportunity to enter into this blood covenant through circumcision, which, of course, produced blood. And the Hebrew word for covenant in the Old Testament is karath, which means to cut. 
The Hebrew word for covenant in the Old Testament is karas, which means to cut. So one would cut or make a covenant by cutting flesh. So God made a blood covenant with Abraham, and that was the old covenant. The covenant God made with us through the sacrifice of Jesus is the new covenant. But it all required blood. Jesus' sacrifice, watch this now, Jesus' sacrifice would have been illegal in God's government without the shedding of his blood. So that's why we ought to thank God for literally the power of the blood of Jesus. Because, again, Jesus sacrificed in, 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 in heaven's terms and, and the legality of the spirit. Realm, it would have been illegal in God's government without the shedding of his blood. So when you hear scripture say how he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquity, by his stripes we are healed, according to Isaiah 53 and 5, all of that points to blood, wounded, bruised, beaten. It all drew blood. So there's no stronger contract than that sealed with blood. The blood of Jesus is the signature we need to access all things of God. I'm saying that again. The blood of Jesus is the signature that we need to access all things of God. Even in marriage, there was a blood covenant because the woman was to be a virgin, and the blood from her having sex for the first time consummated the marriage. Not only that, but even with uh, a healthy cervix. A woman can still bleed a little internally after sex if there's enough friction. Hence, when two people have sex, they make a blood covenant. In warfare, not only do soul ties need to be broken, if you're talking about past relationships and et cetera, if, if you had sex before marriage, et cetera, anyone, et cetera, again, when two people have sex, they make a blood covenant. So in spiritual warfare, we talk about soul ties, but not only do you need to break the soul ties, but you need to also break the blood covenant. Because there was a blood covenant that was made. So, okay, so if you talk about breaking the soul ties, you're emotionally attached and spiritually attached to a person, not only do you need to break that soul tie, but maybe what's still hanging around is that blood. And so, and so then you need to break that blood covenant because that, keep, that can keep things going. Okay, and we're going to get to, to the importance of blood and why you also need to not just break that soul tie, but also uh, the blood covenant that was made with that individual. So understand, Jesus' blood did it once and for all for us. The Bible is the blood covenant God made with us. The Bible is the blood covenant God made with us, and when we accept his word, it activates the promises in the covenant. It changes one perspective because the Bible is not just a book. The Bible is not just a book to help us get by, but it is a legally binding contract sealed in blood that presents to us life and death. We talk about the old covenant, the new covenant. It means cut. Again, the word cut, it means cut in the Hebrew. Okay, and, and there was a, a blood covenant made in the Old Testament and a blood covenant made in the New Testament. Of course, the New Testament with Jesus Christ, the new covenant. Okay, so it's a legally binding contract sealed in blood. So it gives spiritual life to those who obey and spiritual death to those who disobey. So you were blood bought by Christ, and it's far greater than anything money could ever hope to buy because you're priceless. Because you are priceless. So a godly covenant also comes with a name change. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, as we well know, and Sarai, I don't call it, became Sarah. According to Genesis 17, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So when you're in Christ, your name holds weight in the spirit because it's covered in the blood. Because you accepted Jesus Christ and you're covered in the blood, but we'll get, get into that a little bit later, but your, your name now holds more weight. So people will begin to hear your name differently because of the blood of Jesus. So if godly covenant requires blood, watch this now, if godly covenant requires blood, then demonic covenant requires blood because Satan, again, tries to duplicate what God does, and Satan tries to do it his own way. So everything God creates, Satan tries to duplicate. So Satan tries to copy the pattern of God. So the demonic world wants human sacrifice of blood. They want death. They want to literally cause us pain and harm. They're seeking blood. Witchcraft, other demonic occult practices always have some sacrifice of blood. This is also one reason why you see suicide bombers claiming to die for God, but they're making a blood covenant with Satan, just as those who worship idols uh, sacrifice their children as an act of worship unto demons. Not only that, but they're operating in a spirit of error, as we talked about a few weeks ago, the spirit of error, because they haven't accepted Christ. And they incorrectly believe they're dying for a just cause. So the suicide bombs, they believe that they're dying for a just cause, thinking that they're pleasing God, but really they made a blood covenant with Satan. 
So the true and living, living God does not require that. Okay? Yes, people have died for Christ because of, because of attacks of the enemy, but their blood was not required because only the blood of Jesus could do what it did for you and I. Only the blood of Jesus could have accomplished that. So we are to be living sacrifices. Talk about it, being a living sacrifice. And that's presenting ourselves to God for duty and putting our walls aside. And understand, many great women and men of God died on the spiritual battlefield for the Lord. Their labor was not in vain, but their blood could not save, their blood could not forgive of sins, and their blood could not defeat demons. The blood of Jesus goes beyond just covering our sins. Watch this now. The blood of Jesus goes beyond just covering our sins. The blood of Jesus is a weapon of warfare. We must understand that God is the God of order. There are legalities in the spirit realm. Adam gave up his dominion to Satan. Satan cannot take our dominion on earth. That can only be given away. So we must fight in the spirit to keep our God-given territory. So again, we can give our territory away, or we can give our dominion away, because dominion can't be taken. That's something that can only be given away. Okay? So Adam gave dominion to Satan in certain territories because of his sin. So those who came after Adam and lived in sin also gave territory and gave up dominion to Satan and his demons. This is why there are demons that have been controlling certain regions for centuries. For centuries. It's a battle, again, over, over territory. So God has raised, up, raised you up as a defender of his territory on earth, and he gave you power and authority to drive demons off your hand. He gave you power and authority to, to, to drive demons out of your land. Okay? Okay? So if you walk in sin and disobedience, you come from under – watch this now. If you walk in sin and disobedience, you come from under the blood of Jesus, and you're giving demons a key to your house. So if you walk in sin and disobedience, non-repentant, you come from under the blood of Jesus, and you're giving demons a key to your house. So this is why they feel they own you in certain areas. This could be based on the patterns of the past or something in your bloodline. Jesus' blood is alive. Again, Jesus' blood is alive. So you must open your mouth and put the blood to work by applying the blood of Jesus in your life and your territory. Jesus didn't take his blood with him. Watch this now. Jesus did not take his blood with him to heaven because there's no flesh in heaven. He left his blood on earth for us to put it to work. Again, Jesus did not take his blood with him to heaven because there's no flesh in heaven. He left his blood on earth for you and I to put it to work. So you have to look at the blood in a different way. He left it as a tool and a weapon for us. Jesus' blood didn't stop working. It's your responsibility on earth to open up your mouth and tell it where to flow. Hear me clearly. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to tell the blood where to flow. So you can't physically see the blood of Jesus because it's spiritually discerned. You can't see it, but you can speak it because it is voice activated. The blood cleanses us from unrighteousness. It's a cleaning agent as well. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, but when you plead the blood of Jesus, you're throwing dirt on the plans of the enemy. So when you're pleading the blood of Jesus against the enemy, you're throwing dirt on the plans of the enemy. When you declare the blood of Jesus against the enemy, it shames them because it's a clear indicator that they lost. It shames them because it's a clear indicator that they lost. So the blood of Jesus ought to be a part of your warfare. So when you proclaim the blood of Jesus, you're literally proclaiming victory in battle as you're in the battle because it's a symbol of victory. The blood is a symbol of victory. The blood of Jesus is a cleaning agent. It gets out the residue that demons left behind. And sometimes you need to ask God to wash me in your blood. Father, wash me in the blood of Jesus. Because understand, it doesn't just clean you from sin and bring about healing. It also flushes out any seeds the enemy sowed in your life. So the blood of Jesus flushes out any seeds that the enemy has sown in your life. So watch this now. Just as you wash daily, you should ask God to wash you in the blood of Jesus daily just in case a demonic seed was left behind overnight. And we know they try to sow seeds in your dreams. They try to sow seeds through, through word curses, through things that people speak over you. So therefore, daily. You ought to, just as you wash yourself daily, your physical body, you ought to ask God to wash you in the blood of Jesus daily. Because, again, 
It can it can clean out any demonic seed or any demonic resi- residue that was left around you. Okay, so that's the importance of the blood. All right, let's go to John 19. John 19, verses 33 through 34. Again, that's John 19, verses 33 through 34. And it reads, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And immediately blood and water came out. So here we find Jesus on the cross. He had already physically died, so the soldiers didn't need to break his legs to finish the job. Because sometimes they would, uh, if, if, if someone on the cross they crucified wasn't physically dead yet, they would break the legs so that, you know, to finish the job. Um, so instead, they pierced Jesus' side with a spear, and blood and water came out. So understand, the new covenant began when Jesus died, and his blood poured out. The new covenant began when Jesus died and his blood poured out. The enemy made a mistake because killing one man gave the entire world an opportunity to take part in the new covenant through Christ. So the enemy had better be careful because what they sent to kill you will make your name and influence greater than before when God's finished. So what the enemy is trying to do to take you out, to try to ruin you, they better be careful because that very thing is going to make your name greater. And going to cause you to have greater influence in your territory. So from a medical perspective, it's believed that uh, Jesus was pierced in his heart. When they, when they say the soldier uh, took that spear and, and pierced him, it, it was believed he was pierced in his heart. Uh, and, 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 and the pericardium is a thin uh, double-layered sac that covers the heart. So it contains some watery fluid called the pericardial fluid that re- uh, reduces the friction with the pericardium as the heart beats. So, so, so it's this fluid that... Uh, it, it reduces friction uh, as the heart beats, okay? So, so it's believed that that liquid, the water they talked about, came from the pericardium. So when Jesus died, and we can gather that when his blood hit the ground, the earth shook, and the veil of the temple was also torn according to Matthew 27. According to Matthew 27, the earth shook, the, 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 uh, the, the veil of the temple was ripped. So not only that, but it says that, that, that the graves, some graves were also opened. So, so some who were dead were raised from the dead because Jesus' blood hit the earth. So prior to this, no one who had died went to heaven yet. Now, after Christ, if you hear ever ascended back into heaven, anyone who dies immediately goes to heaven or hell. So everything changed because of Jesus' sacrifice. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. It can raise the dead like the Holy Spirit. It can also raise you. Out of a tough situation. So if the blood of Jesus can raise the dead, it can certainly defend you against the enemy, but you must give the blood a target. So not only do you use it against the enemy, but you can also use the blood when something needs to come to life. And look, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. So if raising the dead, command the blood of Jesus to, to go to work in the power of the Holy Spirit. Resurrection power. Okay? So so we see the power when Jesus' blood hit the ground, like I said, the earth shook, the temple, the, the veil in the temple ripped, uh, the graves were open, and those who were dead were raised from the dead. So you see how powerful his blood was. But he didn't take that with him to heaven. He left it with us. So again, you have to give the blood a target. The blood also caused the earth to quake. So the blood of Jesus caused the earth to quake. The blood of Jesus causes demonic foundations to shake in your life. You can literally shake up demonic foundations because of the blood of Jesus. So you see how many different functions that it has. But again, you have to give it a target. You have to give it uh, a place to go. There's life power in the blood. Okay? Let's go to Leviticus 17 and make the point clear here. Leviticus 17, verses 10 to 11. We're talking about blood power. Leviticus 17, verses 10 through 11. Again, Leviticus 17, verses 10 through 11. And it reads, And whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. 
and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So this passage dealt with the old law or the old covenant that, that, that one was not to eat anything with blood, such as a piece of meat with blood. Under Christ, this law is no longer in effect, but the reason they weren't allowed to eat any part of an animal with blood in it during that time, during the old covenant, was because during that time, the blood of animals uh, were used as a sacrifice unto God to atone for sins. So during that time, eating something with blood in it, similar to like a rare steak, was forbidden because they were eating something that could literally atone for their sins. And so the life or soul of the flesh was in the blood. It was in the blood. And so because the life of or, or soul of the flesh was in the blood, it was only reserved at that time to make atonement for sins, which is to make amends for us. I mean, it was to make amends for and reconcile us back to God. So that's what the blood of animals did in the old covenant. So, of course, this was a foreshadowing of Christ's coming. It's a price paid for sins. So even if you give blood, a needle must still penetrate your skin and stick into your vein. So blood being shed always has a cost. Jesus paid the greatest cost for his blood to be shed. Now you and I were the beneficiary of his blood transfer. It was literally a blood transfer, a blood transfusion that took place on Calvary, that took place when we accepted Jesus Christ. It was a blood transfusion. Okay? So with that blood transfusion, with, with that being said, knowing that because of his blood, we're now in the beneficiary of the blood transfer because of his death. So we see how, how important blood was from the very beginning. So if there is no blood in the physical body, the body will die. That's why someone or an animal can physically die due to a loss of too much blood. So when the enemy sends toxins in your life, you need to call forth the blood of Jesus so it can clean you inside and out. It's not enough just to say you have Jesus and don't utilize everything that comes with Jesus. You cannot truly say you have Jesus without operating in the power that comes with Jesus Christ. So when you accept Christ, you now have access to all things that are of God. So you get the Holy Spirit, the authority of Jesus Christ, and the blood of Jesus. However, none of them will be able to effectively work in your life without you doing something. Without you doing something. There are laws in the heavens. The blood of Jesus is what God sees when we repent of our sins, as we well know. When we repent of our sins, God sees the blood of Jesus. It keeps him from having to cover his eyes or, or to take us out because he sees the blood of Jesus. Because in the Old Testament, God was pleading with the people, please, you know, repent, repent. He said, I'm covering my eyes that I won't have to see this sin because God hates sin. So thank God for the blood of Jesus who reconciled us back to God, who was the atone, who atoned for our sins to get us back in right standing with God. So that when God looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus once we accepted Christ. Okay? So we know that. However, the blood of Jesus does not go to war for you and to work for you without your permission. The blood of Jesus does not go to war for you or to work for you without your permission. So we have to understand, this is why the enemy, watch this now, this is, I'm about to make a point here, we talk about spiritual warfare. Okay, we must understand that this is why the enemy has no problem attacking if they see the blood around you. Because they'll just go around it. Demons are afraid of Jesus' blood when it's on you because it's not disturbing as a sin cleanser, but now it becomes a weapon. So the blood truly does transform. So again, you have to, again, ask God daily to cover you, to wash you in the blood of Jesus. And, and, and sometimes the church has been stuck on thinking that the blood is just about sin or, or atoning for sin. That's one role of the blood of Jesus. But it's also a weapon. So just like Scripture talks about the Word of God being alive, the blood of Jesus is alive. Watch this now. The blood of Jesus is alive. It responds to us and for us in warfare. Okay? So think what we just said. But scripture says that God's Word is alive. It says it's quick. It's alive. It's sharpened in a two-edged sword. God's Word is alive. So if God's Word is alive, the blood of Jesus is alive. You've got to understand this. The blood of Jesus is a living organism. It responds to us and for us in warfare. So when we accept Christ, we enter the blood covenant, and instead of physical circumcision, our hearts are circumcised and renewed unto God. 
So we talk about there's, there's literally life in the blood. So just like there's life in us because of blood, life is in the body of Christ through the blood of Jesus. Life is in the body of Christ through the blood of Jesus. Is that we're many members, but one body, the body of Christ, want to accept Jesus Christ, the church with the body of Christ. So just as there's life, physical life in the blood keeps us alive, the life of the body of Christ is to the blood of Jesus. So again, the blood of Jesus is a living organism. You've got to see it this way. This is, we did a study a while ago about the importance of understanding the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a thing. It's a person, a spirit. Okay? So we have God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But the blood is alive. It's a living organism. Okay? So, so trying to change your perspective when you think about the blood. We say it, but you have to understand that truly the blood of Jesus is voice activated. Truly the blood of Jesus is a weapon. It's alive. Okay, let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29. Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29. And it reads, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink in, drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So in these verses, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, which we call communion. The bread represents Christ's body that was broken for our right to divine healing. And the red juice of wine represents the blood he shed for the remission of our sins. He died in our place to get us back in right relationship with God. This was the new covenant. This passage contains every aspect of God's will for our lives because of Christ's sacrifice. Now, let's, let's put the pieces together here. In Leviticus 17:10 to 11, as we, we read earlier, under the old covenant, it spoke of how we weren't supposed to, uh, uh, supposed to eat anything with blood in it because life. Or the soul was in the blood, as, as, as we talked about. So it was a foreshadowing, foreshadowing, as I said, of Christ, because now all meat are clean because we don't need the blood of animals to be used as an atonement for our sins. We see the new covenant being formed here as Jesus now talks about drinking of his blood. Before, remember, you couldn't eat, drink blood. Now Jesus is talking about drinking of his blood of the new covenant which is for the remission of sin. So now we see the transition from the old covenant. You could eat blood, could drink blood, and that with blood in it. Now Jesus, now Jesus is coming in new covenant, saying, okay, that was the old covenant. In new covenant, you can't eat, eat blood. All meat are clean, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is now, now we don't need animals to atone for sins, but I'm going to be the sacrifice. My blood will atone for your sins. So again, there's life in the blood of Jesus. And anything that is dead in your life that needs to be alive can come alive under his blood. So whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, you, you speak the blood. I speak the blood of Jesus. I send the blood of Jesus to my bank account, to my wallet, to over, over my body, physically, etc., because literally there's life in it. The blood of Jesus can resurrect things in your life. Okay? So this is before, this not Jesus talking at the Last Supper was before he was betrayed. But he knew it was coming. That's why he said he will not drink of the wine after that point until they were with him in heaven. And so although humans made covenants with other humans, it was different when God made a covenant with humans. Humans had the type of, the, of covenant that was a negotiated agreement or a negotiated contract. Okay? However, God's covenant in the Old Testament that he made with humans are benefits that will be given by one person to another. So God's covenant with you and I is a one-party guarantee. It's an arrangement in which the superior party, who is God, presents to an inferior party, which is us humans, and we choose to accept it or reject it. However, we can't take anything away from it or add anything to it. So, again, it's not really uh, a, a contract as we, we, we're accustomed to thinking of, like, okay, okay, you sign, you sign here, okay, you can adjust this, and you can go back and forth until we come to an agreement. No, it's a one party guarantee to another. So God's making a guarantee to us, and we can choose to accept the covenant or not, but we can't take or add anything to it. So the blood of Jesus gave you a blood-bought right to receive everything that comes with being in covenant with God. You have a blood 
thought right to receive everything that comes with being in covenant with God. So if the enemy had stolen, stolen something from you, understand you have a blood-bought right to the things of God. So if they stole it, you need to send the blood. So demons may come in to try to take what came with your covenant with God. The blood of Jesus is tied to your inheritance. So if a demon tries to steal what God said is yours, like I said, use the blood of Jesus to fight back. God made a guarantee to us. It was not a negotiated contract. So don't neglect the blood of Jesus in your life. Not only do you need to use the authority of Jesus against demons, but also use his blood. His blood is also very important in spiritual warfare. There are some demons that may try to hide in your life behind things, but release the blood of Jesus to drown them out. You can release the blood of Jesus to drown them out. As I said, it is a cleansing agent, but there's sometimes there's residue left behind or seeds that have been sown, and you call the blood of Jesus to flood, to flood your life, to flood the enemy camps, and literally anything that's been left behind, the blood of Jesus will cause to come to the surface to drown it out. So if there's demons that are lurking, trying to hide in the background, trying to hide in your home, trying to hide in your bloodline, you send the blood to drown them out. And literally saying, I send the blood of Jesus to drown out uh, every seed the enemy has sown, to, to, to drown out any demons that are lurking, that are trying to hide, to, to make them come to the service, to cause them to drown out because they can't survive under the blood of Jesus. So we need the authority of Jesus Christ because it's a backstage pass to legally war in the spirit realm and arrest demons. But the blood blocks demons. It's a defensive weapon. So again, the authority of Jesus Christ, like I said, uh, gives us a backstage pass to legally war in the spirit realm and to arrest demons. As, as I said before, the authority of Jesus Christ arrests demons. The Holy Spirit casts them out. But we see here the blood blocks. The blood blocks demons. Okay? They can't get through through the blood. That's why, again, it's important to continue to say, Lord, cover me. Wash me in the blood. Daily, wash me in the blood. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Wash me in the blood. It's very important. Let's go to Revelation 1, 5 through 6. Revelation 1, 5 through 6. And again, reminding that the blood of Jesus is alive. You have to see it as a living organism. Not just something you say. You have to know that it's moving. When you speak, the blood moves. The blood is alive. God, Jesus left it for us to, to use in spiritual warfare. So understand, it's alive. It's a living organism. So think of the blood as a living organism, organism because it is. It's alive. It's alive. It's living. And it's waiting for you to put it to work on a consistent basis. Sometimes we have neglected the blood. You haven't used the blood enough. But God gave it to you for a reason. It was left behind for a reason, just like we have the Holy Spirit for a reason. So you need to use what was left. And it's a reason he left it because the enemy is trying to get at us in so many different ways. But you need to know how the blood works. All right, Revelation 1, 5 through 6. And also, as I said before, that sometimes you need to know when I need to use the blood, when I need to use the sword, Okay. And so that's what I say, it's a combination. We talk about the clapping the hands, stomping the feet. You can incorporate all these into your spiritual welfare praise and your declarations. When you're going about life, the enemy trying to attack different things, you, you employ what you have. Angels, all that, all at your disposal for you to use, and they all play vital roles. So just working with one, yeah, you have one, and so much fear comes, but understand you need to utilize all of them and understand how they all work. Again, Revelation 1, 5 to 6, and it reads, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, to him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So here we find an account of Apostle John's revelation. He talks about Jesus being the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. So we know that we're kings and queens in God's government, as we well know. We're also priests unto God. Christ is the ruler over all the kings of the earth, and that's referring to us because, of course, referring to those in God's government. Christ loves us, and he washed us from our sins. And some earlier manuscripts say that he loosed us from our sins. So we, uh, we were once in bondage to sin, but Christ's blood set us free. So that's why you have to celebrate the blood. That's what we talk about, the power of the communion, okay, the, the, the holy ordinance of communion. Right? He says, as, as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, of my sacrifice, what I did for you, to remind you that you are already healed by my stripes, to remind you that you have power and authority, to remind you of the power of the blood that you now have that I've left with you for you to use whenever the enemy tries to attack you. 
And whenever you come into new territory to send the blood to flood out whatever demons have been lurking there, to send the blood to flood out, whether you move into a new home, your, your cause, you need to send the blood. Apply the blood. Okay? So notice that after John spoke of Christ loving us and washing us from our sins in his own blood, that it goes on to say, he made us kings and priests to God. He spoke about washes in the blood. They said, okay, by the way, I also made you kings and priests unto God. So if you want to rule on earth for God as a ruler on his earthly kingdom, you must continually be washed in the blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus is alive. If you wake up, you go about your day, and you don't say, Lord, wash me in the blood, then it's just like not putting on your clothes that day. You wash daily. You get dressed daily. So you have to clothe yourself with Christ. Remember we talk about being clothed with Christ? Being clothed with Christ comes with saying, Lord, wash me in the blood of Jesus. That should be a daily declaration. Lord, wash me in the blood of Jesus. Because, again, the enemy sowed seeds, tried to sow seeds while you were sleeping. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Drown, drown out any, anything that was left behind, any, any residue. Cleanse me from any residue that was left in my life that my flesh may have bent towards. Wash me. Cleanse me. Okay? And, again, and that's also a, a, a protection because, again, the enemy sees, it's one thing when he sees the blood around you, it's another thing when he sees the blood on you. Okay? So again, you're a king and a priest. So you want to rule for God as rule on his early kingdom, you have to be washed in the blood of Jesus. You must have the blood. You must use the blood as a king in God's government. In order to effectively engage a king in Satan's government, you must cover yourself in the blood of Jesus. Demons want us to shed blood. Watch this now. Demons want you and I to shed blood. Because they draw from the power from it. But our blood has no power. We draw from Jesus' blood, which has all power. So again, demons want us to shed blood because they draw power from it. But our blood has no power. We draw from Jesus' blood, which has all power. So there's truly power in the blood of Jesus. And you do great damage to demons when you use the power of the Holy Spirit, the authority of Jesus Christ, and the power of the blood all at once. So you're hitting them from so many different angles that they won't know what hit them. So when you, and you, I'll get into the fire next week. You talk about the Holy Ghost fire. Okay, and you talk about the authority of Jesus Christ. I come in the name of Jesus. I, I command you demons to flee. I command whatever attack that you're coming against me. I, I come up against you now in the name of Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I send the Holy Ghost fire against you. And, and I send the blood of Jesus against you right now in the name of Jesus. And, and I send the blood to drown you right now, to, to drown whatever... Uh, our foundation you set in my life, whatever, whatever homes you've erected around me, I, I send the blood of Jesus to drown you in it in the name of Jesus, to flood you out, to gut you out. So see, see the blood is alive. You've got to put it to work. You've got to tell it what to do. You've got to put it to work. So if you, as you're putting it to work, it's going to work because it's a living organism. Okay? Watch this now. Let's go to Hebrews 12 and 24. I'll make my point here. Hebrews 12 and 24. I'm going to show you why. It's a living organism and how powerful it really is and why we can't neglect it. Hebrews 12 and 24, just one verse. And that's Hebrews 12 and 24. And it reads, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So here the writer is talking about the new covenant. We've talked about different old covenant and new covenant. The new covenant in Christ that is even better than the old covenant. Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant. So Jesus stands between us and God, urging us to keep coming to God, and he's our advocate to God, our Father, against the accusations of the enemy, as the enemy tries to bring accusations against us. So in the old covenant, the blood of animal sacrifices was sprinkled on the altar and on the person. But now the blood of Jesus is sprinkled on us. So again, you see Old Covenant, the blood of the animal was sprinkled on the altar and on the people. Now the blood of Jesus is sprinkled on us. He talks about us being living sacrifices, presenting ourselves unto God as a living sacrifice, Romans 12. So then the blood is then sprinkled upon us, poured on us. Because his sprinkling his blood, and it said it speaks. So watch this now. This passage shows us that the blood of Jesus speaks. It says, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks 
better things than that of Abel. Remember I said that the blood of Jesus is a living organism. The blood of Jesus speaks. It has a voice. Watch this now. So understand, your blood, my blood even speaks. Our blood and our pain cries unto God when we don't say a word because there is life in the blood. Remember Leviticus earlier, Leviticus uh, 17, 10 10 to 11, talk about how there's life in the blood. And I told you that there's life in the blood of Jesus. And the the blood of Jesus also now we know, learn that it, it also speaks. Watch this now, follow me. Let's go back to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Uh, in Genesis 4, uh, Cain and Abel made a sacrifice unto God in the Old Testament, and they were under the whole covenant. And Cain tilled the ground and brought an offering to God from some of what he produced from the ground. Because Cain tilled the ground, so he brought an offering from, what, from, his, from his harvest, his crops, right? Abel tended sheep and offered unto God the firstborn of the flock. But it said that God respected Abel's offering, but not Cain's offering. Now, there was something Cain didn't do that God didn't accept it. It could be because of sin. Cain, Cain may have sinned uh, that he may not have addressed or that it wasn't done in faith. But remember, we talked about the importance of the blood. It all went back to blood. Abel also offered a blood sacrifice of the animal. It was a blood sacrifice that Abel made unto God. Cain made a grain offering of, of, of something from the harvest, his fruit. Um, so... Abel, again, made a blood sacrifice of this animal unto God. So Cain became angry. And Cain was angry because God respected Abel's offering over his. So Cain killed his brother Abel. So then God came to Abel, uh, Genesis 4 and 10, God came to Abel. He said, uh, I mean, he came to Cain. Uh, he came to Cain. He said, look, where, where's, where's, where's uh, your brother? And, and Cain and Abel was like, what, what you talking about? And Cain was like, what you talking about? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're saying. But God said Abel's blood cried out to him from the ground. He said Abel's blood. He was dead. His brother killed him. But Abel's blood cried out to God from the ground. This is an indicator that bloodshed is not overlooked. God sees it. Cain, like I said, Cain also tried to act like he didn't know where Abel was after God questioned him. But Abel's blood cried for vengeance. Christ's blood reconciles us to God and cries out for peace and it lashes out in vengeance against the enemy when we send it. So when you send the blood, it lashes out in vengeance. We talked last week, when you clap, it's sending the sword, it's sending the vengeance, the wrath of God against the enemy. Now we see the blood. The blood, it, 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 you, you see, it, it sends vengeance unto the enemy. And that's why it's important to plead the blood of Jesus against the enemy. When we release the blood of Jesus against the enemy, the blood speaks more than we do because it has a job to do in warfare when we allow it. Please understand, the blood has a job to do in warfare, but it can't do its job until we release it. Remember how I said angels have a job to do in warfare, but they're waiting for us to command them. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. So you see, the weapons, in order for them to operate, we have to literally put these weapons to work. So now you see that the blood of Jesus is alive, and it speaks. So when you sit in the blood of Jesus, it's actually saying things that you're unaware of. It's speaking to the attacks of the enemy. It's speaking to those demons because they recognize the blood of Jesus. So that's why you have to send it because when you send the sword, the sword is alive, the word of God. The sword is alive. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's sending the sword. When you clap in your hands against the enemy, that's sending the sword. That's sending the vengeance of God against the enemy. When you c- tell angels to, to war in the heavens, to, to war against the enemy, you, you're putting them to flight, and they're doing stuff that you have no control over, but you have to release them. So if you send the angels, the angels can fight, and you speak in strength to the angels, do war in the spirit realm against the principalities in the second heaven, and you tell the angels to do this, they're fighting, they're fighting, but you continue to pray and speak strength unto them, but literally they're doing something that you can't even see. The blood is doing something you can't even see. The blood is speaking on your behalf, under the authority of Jesus Christ that you have. When you send in the blood, it says, yes, now I can go do what I was sent left here to do. Far too long we have neglected full use of the blood. And so, so I came tonight to, 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 to do justice for the blood of Jesus, that he's ready to be put to work because he's alive. 
he speaks. The blood literally speaks. When you send the blood, it is speaking to the enemy. So when you release it, he's going and saying, okay, back away. Stand off. You know what time it is. You know better. Go back home. Go back here. Go back there. And they know, they know things we don't even know. The blood knows things we don't know. But demons recognize the blood. And that's why I say you can flood out the enemy's camp. They, they might not set up territory in your area, in your region, certain things that have been erected around you that you, not, you know it's not of God. But of course, because these demons are trying to take over your city, they're trying to take over your job. So you send the blood to flood out whatever has been erected. And as you send the blood, it's speaking. It's speaking the things. It's speaking the things of God. It's speaking the word of God. So you have to send the blood to flood. Send the blood. It brings vengeance. Okay, let's go to Revelation 12. It's our last passage, and then we're going to get into the uh, about the feast. Uh, Revelation 12, verses 10 to 12. Revelation 12, 10 to 12, it reads, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So we already know that scripture tells us that death and life is in the power of the tongue, according to uh, Proverbs 18 and 21, that death and life is in the power of the tongue. So this passage here speaks of a war in the spiritual realm between the heavenly angels and Satan and his demonic angels. Uh, so we can also overcome the enemy through the words of our testimony. Telling our testimony of what God has done for us and how God delivered us is a major shot at Satan and his demons. The word of your testimony is a powerful weapon against the enemy because it's a reminder of them, to them that you overcame the attack. When you testify, when you tell about the goodness of the Lord and how God did this and how God did that, it's a reminder to the enemy that you overcame their attack. So you can't afford to be silent about that thing. Be ashamed of that thing. Because that thing is going to shame the enemy. And it's going to empower other brothers and sisters in Christ. So we also overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Which is the blood of Jesus. So you must put the blood of Jesus to work in your life daily. Because the enemy doesn't stop planning to find a way to attack you daily. So there may be places where because of the, set, uh, the setting... You can't engage in warfare like you would in your private time with God or in a different setting. But guess what? You can send the blood. You can send the blood. So send the blood of Jesus against the enemy because it can go places you can't get to. So Satan also has some understanding of times and seasons. He doesn't know everything God will do and how God would do it. But Satan is aggressive because he knows he has a short time to try to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan also tries to get us to go against God's will. He knows when angels are dispatched, and he sends his demons to try to stop them from carrying out their assignments in our lives. So, again, that's why Satan knows oh, there's angels being sent to their way. Go to try to stop those angels. Go to try to intercept them. Go, go war against those angels. And then these demons run reports on you. They know what's going on in your life. That's good. And they know what's going on in your life that they caused. So when you utilize your spiritual weapons, the next time demons run a report on you, they'll see that your wall of defense grew overnight. Just by applying the blood, just by sending the blood, just by sending the blood to flood, flood out the enemy's camp, just by sending the blood to throw dirt on the enemy's camp, on their plans. So we see, we said, we said earlier, the blood, when you send the blood, it's, it, it throws dirt on the enemy's plan. When you send the blood, you can tell, and you tell it, tell it what to do, flood out the enemy's camp to cause them to have to retreat. Because again, the battle is over territory. It all belongs to God, but Satan tries to keep us from our inheritance. So if, when, when you want to send confusion to, to demonic camps, when you want to send confusion to demonic camps, say it and send the blood of Jesus. The blood will go to shake things up, and so will angels, as we talked about before. So again, it's putting the blood to work, because literally, I, what I want you to walk away from is understanding. The blood of Jesus is alive. It is a living organism, okay? It has a job. It has a function of blood literally speaks so it's not enough to just to, like i said to just say oh I, I got the blood of jesus to you know you know pleading the blood of jesus from sin and or just saying okay you know 
uh, telling Satan about the blood, but you need to understand how the blood works. Because now you understand how the blood works, you can use it even more effectively now. Knowing that it's a living organism, it's alive. You have to send it, tell it what to do. He has a job. The blood has a job. We can't do the job for the blood. We got to send the blood so the blood can do his job. And then the blood will speak to those dem- demonic forces and speak against those demonic forces because it also comes with the vengeance of God. So again, begin to flood, apply the blood to your life, your children's life, uh, your home, your vehicles. Okay, send the blood to flood out whatever the enemy is trying to set, set up in your life to cleanse you out. Send the blood to flood, flood your life. Because see, the difference is the blood can flood your life. It's a great thing, but if it floods the enemy's life, it's a bad thing. They can't handle it. They can't deal with it. I will close us on out in prayer. Father God, we come now to the end of this Bible study, oh God. Thank you, oh God, for the word that went forth, oh God. We thank you for all that's been said. And down on this night, oh God, we thank you for just teaching us, oh God, about the power of the blood, the importance of the blood, the function of the blood, and how the blood works, oh God. We thank you for it, oh God, and we declare that your word shall go in our hearts, oh God. It shall take root, oh God, that we will not sin against you, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for each and everyone who's listening, oh God, for their very lives, oh God, that they shall be covered in the blood, oh God, that they shall put the blood of Jesus to work in their lives, oh God, we thank you for the open doors, oh God, that you are bringing into their lives, oh God, in this very season of their lives, oh God. We thank you, dear God, that they are protected, they are covered, oh God. We thank you for sustaining them, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. And Lord, we declare right now, oh God, that uh, uh, they will have a, a wonderful week, a pros- prosperous week, a productive week, oh God. And so we bless your name, we glorify your name now. These all bless you at your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. And amen. So remember that you are the breath of God, and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle Green signing out. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Good night. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.